Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk. First, let me say thank you so much for being a listener. Now, I want to alert you to our shiny new podcast website located at podpage.com. However, you can go directly to the podcast site located at www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. There, you can contact me through email. You can leave a voice message. You can leave a review. You can read an episode blog and frequently learn about the podcast guests. You might also want to suggest podcast topic ideas or even suggest a guest. You can also let me know if you would like to receive our podcast listener logo that you can post on your social media. So I look forward to hearing from you about our new podcast website, www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast and have a great day. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners all across America and around the world. Now, just a quick notice, I am very pleased to announce that as of the close of September 2023, 20, we now have documented listeners in 137 countries spread across 2,510 cities around the globe. So thank you so very, very much for being followers and listeners to our podcast. Now, here's the question for you. What are the challenges and successes of managing a public relations firm in smaller cities? My guest today can provide us with an overview of how she successfully manages her wide range of clients and assignments. Middle America Communication Solutions was established in 2021 to meet the digital marketing and public relations needs of business owners in rural areas and small communities. My guest today earned her bachelor's degree at Northern State University in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and her master's degree at the University of Wollongong in New South Wales, Australia. In 2003, she and her husband moved back to central South Dakota, where they remain today. She is versed in digital marketing, social media management, and is an outstanding writer, editor, and communicator. Now, she also makes it very clear that she has no tolerance for bullies and, to put it politely, BS. Jonah Ohm, APR, joins me today from Orcoma, South Dakota. And she is our very first guest from the great state of South Dakota. So, Jonah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. Well, let's talk first, really. uh, One of the things that I noticed when I looked at your website was that you wrote a letter to the community. Tell us about that because I thought it was very impressive and it certainly touched me and I don't even live there. So I was very touched with what, uh, why that came about and, and the results of that. Well, thanks for taking a look at that. That introduction was written in 2004 when my husband and I first moved to our small South Dakota community that we still live in. And I started in that community, in this community, working for the newspaper. And my husband worked in law enforcement at the time. He was a conservation officer. He still works for Game Fish and Parks. 
And so he was out getting to know people as they're hunting and fishing and recreating on the river. And I wanted people to know me as well. And so working for the paper, I went ahead and took advantage of that medium and got in front of people and shared a little bit about who I was. We like small towns. I grew up in the far southeast corner of North Dakota. And so the town I live in now is actually larger than the the, the uh, town that I grew up in. The town I grew up in has 400 people. There were nine students in my senior class when oh I graduated goodness, okay. in 1998. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so we had a, our opportunity to live in the big city. Uh, where I got my master's degree in Wollongong, Australia, was uh, kind of a suburb of Sydney. And there were, you know, 250,000 people in our little corner of, of that part of the world. And so we definitely made a choice to live in a small town. And I wrote that letter, letter to the community to just let them know who I was and what my values were and why I was happy to be where we are. Well, that sounds great. Now, tell us about making that transition then from being a reporter to starting your own business. What led to that? Well, there was a lot of time in between there. I worked for St. Joseph's Indian School for 15 years, and I worked in their their fundraising and marketing department. St. Joseph's is interesting because they they have a very successful direct mail program. And they communicate with individuals all over the United States and all over the world to help them understand uh, what's happening with Lakota Sioux children here in Central South Dakota and why they, why they might need uh, a little extra help in certain areas. And so St. Joseph's is a great institution and is helping Native American families here. And that mission became really, really important to me. As it became, as it was important to donors all over the United States, mm-hmm. and so my role there was to understand why our students needed the services offered by St. Joseph's Indian School, and how donors could then support those needs, and how their donations were being used in a good way. So I really still kind of was working as a reporter, and I learned a lot about key messages at that time what people needed to understand in order to connect to an effort and basic marketing, um, you know, how many times, the different mediums you can use, how many times someone needs to hear a message before they fully absorb and engage with it, things like that. And it was also at that time at St. Joseph's Indian School that I became interested in public relations and became aware of the Public Relations Society of America and began the journey towards earning my APR. And so I learned a lot about fundraising, like I said, and then I got into PR. And after 15 years at St. Joseph's Indian School, I took an opportunity to work as a a communications director for a state government organization. I worked for South Dakota Game Fish and Parks for a year and a half as their statewide communications director. And I I learned that government wasn't where it was at for me. I was more I was better at nonprofit work. I enjoyed a more benevolent agenda than politics and I wanted to work in mission oriented uh, organizations and help those folks who are trying to get those kinds of messages out as as opposed to state government. Mm-hmm. So that's when I became an independent practitioner. 
And so I brought all those skills from nonprofit and marketing and journalism and uh, communicating clear messages and executing strategies and all my work in APR, and I've now brought that to my own own independent firm. So I'm off and running since 2021, and it was the best decision I ever made. So who was your very first client once you had uh, you know, put up your, your shingle? Uh, that's a great story. So my first client was actually a gentleman who is my financial advisor as well. So I had quit my corporate job, and uh, we went in. It was time for our annual meeting with him. So my husband and I went in to talk about our finances and our investments and our retirement plans. And we sat down at our desk, and he said, so what's new? And I said, well, I quit my job, and he about fell out of his chair. Um, he said, you what? You quit? Why didn't you call me? And I said, well, it just happened about two weeks ago, but I'm starting my own business and I'm going to be a, I'm going to work in public relations. And he said, well, what does that mean? And I said, I'm going to help people with social media. And, and he said, I need to work with you. I need to work with you right now. I've been trying to figure out how to get my social media on track. And if this is what you're doing, I need to work with you. And I said, Okay, well, let's plan a meeting. <laughs> and that was the, the very first client I signed as an independent practitioner, uh, and it grew from there. I started out doing a lot of social media for businesses in our community. Because we're, so, we're such a small community, there's about 2,300 people where I live. And to give you some perspective, Peter, we are 70 miles from the nearest Walmart. Oh, my, oh my heavens. <laughs> <laughs> that yes yeah that that's uh i think uh you know i was thinking my nearest walmart is what five blocks away but 70 miles that's a, <laughs> that's an eye-opener <laughs> uh-huh and so we have two grocery stores we have uh, a hardware store we have a great main street we have a dollar general so we have access to all the things that we need but if you know a lot of people Walmart is their weekly outing, right? And so I just find it interesting that uh, we are 70 miles from our nearest Walmart. And so that usually gets people and helps them understand what kind of space exists in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. So that also impacts our news situation. And so we have a once-weekly newspaper, and a lot of things happen in six days from the day that paper is published to the day the next paper is ready to come out. Uh, there's writing that has to take place, there's editing, there's, there's planning, there's printing that has to take place. And so our news cycle is not, is not what you might call a 24-hour news cycle like a lot of folks are dealing with in public relations. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the other clients that you have? You, you, you mentioned your financial advisor. So what are some of the other clients that you have, uh, uh, let's say, acquired over your, since you have actually launched your own firm, the range of them? Absolutely. So I've worked with Thrivent Financial. I have worked with our, our county state's attorney uh, and managing her social media and helping her get important information out to her constituents. Uh, I also have worked with her on some crisis management when uh, big cases have come up and she's needed some media support and things like that. But one of the most surprising and delightful uh, clients that I've started working with, and I'm actually working with several right now, are authors. 
So media coverage is great, and marketing is is great, and corporate communication is great. But there are a lot of people who have stories to tell, both fiction and nonfiction. And so I've now had the pleasure of walking with three clients through their creation process, writing down their story, editing that, and walking them through the self-publishing process. So we've got three down. I've got a children's book that will be coming out later this month. Um, well, no, I shouldn't say it's coming out later this month. We are embarking on the publishing process. So after we get that all sorted out and printed, that will be in the new year. And one of the most precious experiences I've had in working with authors is one who is documenting her journey through brain cancer. Mm. Uh she is now a four-year survivor from surgery and treatment to address a glioblastoma, which does not leave survivors. She is a unicorn in, in her survival. And so she's writing things down, and we're telling her story uh, with the hope that her journey will be able to offer support and comfort to other patients dealing with similar issues, as well as the family and friends of those folks who are looking for ways to support that person they love. Now, when you say you're looking for um, other people to, uh, you know, particularly getting this story out, because to me, someone talking about a journey like that with uh, an issue uh, such as, I think you said, brain cancer, and how they're moving along and, and coping with it could wind up being like maybe even a, a statewide story. So when you run into those, do you think about pitching the story to a larger, such as maybe the state newspaper, Associated Press, or something like that? Yes, we will definitely pitch to those larger papers. Um, and we will also work with uh, the organizations that are supporting those patients. So different foundations, maybe even, and I don't want to say medical journals because I don't have a full understanding. That's very, um, that's for doctors, right? Mm -hmm. But people in the medical field, therapists who are looking to offer support to patients and clients. But yeah, this is a nationwide story and maybe even worldwide because, like I said, glioblastoma does not leave survivors in its wake. And my client is now on her fourth year. She had, She's just celebrated her fourth anniversary of surgery. And this is, this is unprecedented. She has MRIs every three months to continue to monitor that. Glioblastoma is a very aggressive kind of tumor, and it's very difficult to remove thoroughly. It's, it, it twines around other parts of, of the brain and makes it very difficult to get all out. And so she is, she is really a living miracle, and that realization has inspired her to share her story with others for its, its comfort and its humor. She said so many things happened that you just can't help but laugh at uh, because your choices were to laugh or cry. And it's, it's very powerful to be trusted with a story like that and to be able to walk her through that process of communicating it to others and to finally see it in print and hold that book in her hands. Following the launch of the book, she hopes to be able to do speaking engagements. 
and fundraising for causes that support brain cancer patients. Well, you know, as a, as a public relations person, that's the sort of thing a lot of times we look for, the story that has legs and that, you know, so a lot of folks don't recognize it. But, you know, I think of a time when I was called up by, uh, as a matter of fact, it happened to be a medically related story. One of the medical schools here had started a department that no one else in the country had. And uh, by the, uh-huh. and I think I asked him about, well, who else, uh, what other schools in the nation have? He said, no, no, we're the first one. Uh, and the only one. So, wow. I said, oh, that. And, and my, my hometown is Washington, D.C. So even though I'm in, in North Carolina now, but the fact is when I hear that, that makes me think, wow, this is a national story. So what I actually did was I actually called Washington, D.C. to the to national public radio and tracked down their medical writer and uh, pitched the story mm-hmm. there and asking if they would be interested in covering this. And they said, oh, absolutely. We, we'd like to do that. So I'm hearing this, and the same thing applies as I think maybe, you know, there's a a South Dakota public radio station, Associated Press, or something along those lines, because these are the kinds of stories a lot of times that reporters love to get, because, like I said, this is very unusual, and those kind kind of things that they normally, you know, salivate over that I can get a story like this because it fits, and it's a, it's a big, it's a big deal, quite honestly. Yeah, yes. And it's, it's incredibly exciting to have a story, like you said, with that kind of legs uh, that you know will apply to so many other people and is filling a niche that hasn't, that's been very difficult to address or no one has put their hand up yet to say, look, I have information about this. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much looking forward to getting to the end of this book. We're on track to finish all of her content before the end of the year and are looking to uh, get that published and launched next May during Brain Cancer Awareness Month. You know, and, and I think this would be an ideal time for you to, uh, uh, I'm not sure which area of you know, the National Cancer Society, I would think that they would join forces with you in getting some national exposure on one of the morning TV shows and some of the other uh, national media, New York Times, so forth and so on, to, to, uh, to cover something like that. Yes. The prospects are really thrilling, and we're just starting to get to that that uh, strategic planning right now. My client is a little bit shy, and so the idea of the spotlight, she's just warming up to. But this writing process has been very cathartic for her, mm-hmm. and I think she's have been being able to articulate some of those things, those stories that she experienced, and put them on paper to have them really become clear to people around her, I think has been really eye-opening, and I think that she is she is getting fully prepared to share her story on a much larger scale than she ever anticipated. So it's really thrilling to see her come along like that and, and say, yes, yes, we're doing this, we're ready to talk about this. Well, you know, that, that's good to hear because sometimes if you maybe just do local radio or something like that, it helps them become acclimated to, you know, what this media is like. And, and hey, wait a minute. And they'll say, wait, wow, this is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So then they're a bit more comfortable. And now you can begin to, I'm thinking, you know, as I listen to you talk about, you know, some of the morning talk shows that, that ladies listen to or, or watch every morning. Uh, that might be a mm-hmm. great, great platform for them and, and you know, you pitch them because producers are always looking for something to uh, to have on those shows, particularly if they're daily shows. 
So I think that you've yeah. got a you know a heck of a launching platform for uh, for this particular uh, client. Yes. So I mean that one seems to be going particularly well. What are some of the more difficult clients you maybe had to deal with, or humps that you had to get over to convince somebody that perhaps public relations would be in in their best interest? Since you said a lot of folks might not have been familiar with the benefits of PR in a smaller community. Well, one of the things that I've learned about small businesses, both in operating one and in working with them, is that we, as business owners, we wear a lot of hats. So we're trying to manage our household and raise kids and uh, do a job, but also manage the business in such a way that we continue to have a job. So Mm -hmm. we need to do... Whether we do the accounting and book work ourselves or we hire someone to do that, it still requires some of our attention. We have to pass on the right paperwork. We have to pay the right taxes. We have to have awareness of so many things. And so I've had clients both who've said, this is just too much. I can't add one more thing. And maybe it also didn't fit into their budget, but I've also had clients who've been so grateful to just be able to let this one thing go. So they know that I'm managing their social media thoroughly, that I'm taking the photos, that I'm writing the copy, that I understand the messaging for their business, and they're able to just write that monthly check and know that it's handled. And that's been a tremendous support for their business because then they are able to focus on growth and customer service and planning for the future. Um, But on the flip side, uh, having a client who didn't have a good understanding and, you know, as public relations professionals, we have a really broad skill set, right? We can write, we can edit, we can market, we can strategize, we can execute tactically, we can do a lot of things. And it's really hard to not slip into trying to be all things to all people and being mindful of our own business values and our personal values and being sure that we're focusing on what we're best at. Mm-hmm. So I had a client who needed support with her website And when we got into the thick of the work, it finally became clear that she did not have a good understanding of what needed to happen on her end, on the back end, behind the scenes. She only understood the end result that she wanted in in building the website. And so I learned a hard lesson with that client because I skimped on the research and I didn't ask enough questions ahead of time to really understand what we were getting into. And so we muddled through and it was very stressful for everyone answering those questions and our timeline was drug out. It took longer than we anticipated and it was it was frustrating and it took a lot of communication and a lot of a lot of meetings just to stay on the same page and be sure that she understood what difficulties we were facing as her public relations team and we understood what difficulties she was facing as the business owner who was waiting for this technology to, you know, go out to her customers and it was it was incredibly challenging and we reached a satisfactory end, everything is okay, but I still look back on that project and think if I had had 
another $10,000 and 12 months how I could have improved uh, how that went. One of the uh, other things that I noticed when I uh, was looking at your website that you actually wrote several speeches for some uh, senior state officials. And uh, how did that go and how did that come about? Well, that was during my tenure at Game Fish and Parks. And so as their statewide communications director, I answered directly to the secretary of the department. And so as he was going to national conventions, he was often asked to be a keynote speaker or the MC. And so part of my role in that capacity was to understand the current events that were happening. One speech that I remember remember in particular was the, the conference was just on the heels of a devastating helicopter crash where four wildlife officials lost their lives. And so it was important to address that in that speech and take a moment to reflect on that tragedy. But then, of course, there were that was not the main purpose of that gathering. So to acknowledge, to respectfully give a moment to that, and then to address that we do have another agenda that we need to get to. And, you know, also running that, that agency's social media and all of their publications, it was imperative that both the secretary of the department and the governor's office knew what messages were being communicated, that we were receiving information from them on on what the governor's priorities were, and to coordinate all of that. So that was during my tenure at Game Fish and Parks, and I haven't written any official speeches yet in my independent practice, but that's certainly something that I enjoyed doing, observing those current events and seeing how they applied to the event at hand. Well, Jonah, you've certainly given us a, a very a wide view of some of the things that uh, you've been doing uh, there in Oklahoma, South Dakota. Is there anything we missed that you think that you, our listeners should know about? I just really want to drive home the joy of helping authors see their work in print. It's not something that I anticipated doing, and as I started my business, I had a, a pretty structured idea of what I thought would happen. And two and a half years down the road, that's no longer what's happening. So I would just remind our listeners in their practice and in their daily work to be open to the possibilities. Experience is great, and it's awesome to have some projects under your belt and know what you want to happen. But to truly follow the data and to follow the clues that the universe and that your clients are giving you to... You might just achieve something better than what you thought was going to happen if you are open to all of those cues and responses and being truly invested in the situation. So I am delighted and frankly surprised at the way my business has evolved over the last two and a half years. And I just really hope that everyone doing this work finds the thing that they love that makes them the most passionately involved and present for the work that they're doing with their clients. Well, Jonah, let me say thank you so very, very much for uh, joining us today and also uh, for being our very first uh, guest from the uh, great state of South Dakota. I really, really appreciate it. 
And I'm sure our, our listeners will appreciate listening to and appreciating the things that you've done and how you go, went about building your business to reach the pinnacles of success that, uh, that you've done uh, thus far. And I want to say thank you so well, much because we, uh, we've, I've really enjoyed having you. It has been a pleasure. Great things are happening in my state. You have not heard the last from South Dakota, I promise you, Peter. Well, keep keep in touch, and uh, you know if you've got some good things going, because I'm always looking for uh, content for the for the podcast. No question about that. All right. Well, I've got some ideas for you, so I definitely will be in touch. Okay. Well, let me say thank you once again, and to my listeners, let me say thank you for being our listeners. Uh, as I mentioned to you, that we continually grow, and the fact that we've become global now is a surprise. It's nothing that we actually worked at, but it must uh, speak highly of the content of the show and, and that we've been at this for nearly five years now. So thank you so very much for being our listener, and also share this with uh, your colleagues and let them know about the Public Relations Review Podcast, and also join us for the very next edition of the Public Relations Review Podcast. Thanks. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Hi, this is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast, and she'll take it from there. And again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the program, please become a subscriber. Now, on to the podcast.